I hate, I despise your feasts, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them, and the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I thought of these words from Amos 5, 21-24, when reading just now, in late November 2021, that a jury found Kyle Rittenhouse not guilty of murder for fatally shooting two men, and as the Daily Wire just reported, injuring a third last year during riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The article I'm quoting from is by Mayreed Elordi, and it's entitled Breaking, Kyle Rittenhouse Found Not Guilty. The verdict marks the end of a contentious trial. The Daily Wire has really become my go-to for news in America. I trust it where I do not trust other outlets. The chaos in Kenosha erupted when Rittenhouse uh, went to Kenosha and decided to try to help protect a used car dealership from looting that was occurring in Kenosha, Wisconsin, following the police shooting of a man named Jacob Blake by a white Kenosha police officer. There's a great deal to say about the whole case of Jacob Blake, but suffice it to say that the case of Kyle Rittenhouse became a separate matter and its own trial. Rittenhouse ended up shooting two people fatally, Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber. He shot these two men and killed them and injured a third, Gage Grosskreutz. He did so because while guarding the used car dealership, Kyle Rittenhouse was chased by protesters, better word, rioters, and was in danger as they chased him. The prosecutor trying to nail Rittenhouse as, uh, as a criminal said this in the course of closing arguments. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun, when you're the one creating the danger, when you're the one provoking other people. This is what was said of Rittenhouse's behavior, that he had lost the right to self-defense. It was, in fact, true that both Rosenbaum and Huber were unarmed, but Grosskreutz, the man that uh, Rittenhouse shot who was not killed, the other two were, was actually pointing a handgun at Rittenhouse when he was shot. There's much more uh, detail to go into regarding the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse and the events around uh, this self-defense act on Rittenhouse's part. Suffice it to say this, after watching America burn a year ago in 2020, we have now witnessed justice in action. In common grace terms, I give thanks to God for what has just happened in that Kyle Rittenhouse has been found not guilty of murder. I am thankful as a Christian, as a Christian who loves America and wants its good, who tries as best I humbly can to seek the good of the city and the country in which I find myself. I give thanks to God that we have witnessed justice and action. And this is because the just outcome of this trial, the Rittenhouse trial, contrasts sharply with what we saw in 2020 when numerous American cities were put to the torch in the name of social justice, in the name of protests. 
in truth, the rioting, destruction, and killing of a year ago was anything but just. If you have not heard it from Christian voices or Christian outlets, I pray here late in 2021 that my meager words can lend you some comfort and encouragement. What happened in 2020 in one American city after another was anything but just. It certainly doesn't deserve the term social justice attached to it. Actually, what happened was in reality social justice. The destruction of the American order, the tearing down of a corrupt white supremacist national superstructure, whether physically or otherwise. Actually, what was happening in Kenosha as many people rioted to protest the death of Jacob Blake was right out of the social justice playbook. Social justice is totally distinct from biblical justice. Social justice is no justice at all. Social justice is fundamentally unjust. Social justice seeks to basically overthrow what many of us would regard biblically from God as virtue. God's creation order, God's standards of truth and falsehood, right and wrong, justice and unjustice, are sternly attacked by many advocates of social justice. And we were told by numerous voices a year ago, even into this year, 2021, that what had occurred in America was a just uprising, the voice of people who previously were voiceless. And so what needed to happen was we needed to let the riots, the torching of America, the killing of American citizens like David Dorn, former police chief in St. Louis, we needed to let that play out. Because, again, that's the cost of people uh, expressing themselves and their cry for justice after supposedly being treated unjustly. None of us thinks that police in any city uh, get things perfectly right. But fundamentally, the claim in one city, in one case after another, that police had, in a racist sense, targeted different people of color in order to kill them or maim them, was in numerous cases not found to be based in actual truth, in reality. Instead, the left and many woke voices caused many Americans to read the events of the summer of 2020 and even beyond it in a distinctly biased light, as if different instances of police shooting were automatically signs that America truly is a white supremacist country in need of dynamiting and rebuilding. Police officers can be racist. Police officers can get things terribly wrong. Those two things we can confess is true. And yet, fundamentally, the way that different police shootings were politicized in 2020 and in surrounding years before and after is not fundamentally a sound instinct nor a healthy point of participation for citizens and especially Christians. What ended up happening is that many citizens in America, 
and even many professing Christians, ended up giving cover to those who were destroying America, telling us that what was playing out in terms of looting and rioting and destruction was at some level grounded in a just response. There's all sorts of suffering in a country as big as America. There are numerous social problems. There's tons of things for us to work on in our communities. We have not perfectly vanquished sin of any kind. But let it be said that that violent, fiery response to police shootings a year ago was not just. It was socially just, so-called, but it was not truly just. Even though justice is often long delayed, we should give thanks for God's common grace. That's what we're seeing right now as this verdict has just been handed down just a, a little before the recording of this podcast. It is right to give thanks for God's common grace. And I would encourage everyone to remember that civilization as it exists is nothing other than a living and tangible enactment of God's common grace. To live in a civilization is something that we take for granted, but many people have not lived in a civilization in human history. Many people have lived in desperate and terrible circumstances where they have not had access to a system of justice. Many people have lived under the boot of an unjust ruler. Many people have not had a voice in their political process. What we have in terms of a civilization in America and beyond it, the West, owes to God's common grace. Too often, Christians of varying kinds have very little category for divine common grace. But that is a major problem. That is a major oversight. Common grace is not that which we're ultimately going to praise God for in all eternity. It's special grace. It's God redeeming a people for himself to fulfill his covenant purposes. And yet common grace matters. Common grace is what holds everything together, even as God brings his people home. So we need to have a strong category for God's common grace. And we need to recognize that when a just verdict comes down from a judge, from a jury, whatever it may be, we should give thanks. Perhaps we're keenly aware of this uh, right now because we have so rarely seen justice come down in the last few years. To quote Amos 5 once again, justice has not really been rolling down throughout American society. Righteousness has not been experienced as an ever-flowing stream in recent days. These have been tremendously disheartening months and years that we are living through and have lived through. This has been brutally, blisteringly difficult for many of us, and many people are still battling serious discouragement and depression and fear on a daily basis. Many of us feel at different points like our social order, our civilization, even the church is crumbling on a minute by minute or hour by hour basis. But note this, we give thanks for God's common grace. It turns out that what we know to be true biblically is true in our experience. 
God has not abandoned us. We deserve to be abandoned, don't we? Our society, our country, certainly deserves to be abandoned, turned over to the judging hand of God. But God has not abandoned us. God continues to show tremendous and totally undeserved common grace to this country. And God continues to pour out loving kindness on his people. This is a moment to pause and reflect on that and thank God. Pause this podcast, such a humble little podcast, wherever you are, and just take a minute and thank God for his grace. In truth, his grace is one. It's not as if you can cut up divine grace into the common parts and the special parts. God is gracious. Grace comes from God. God shows grace to people in distinct ways. We give thanks for all of it. We recognize that without grace, there is no existence. Without divine grace, in a post-fall world, no one would exist. There would be no pleasure. There would be no joy. There would be no justice. Even though Justice is often long delayed, and even though it is in many cases not fully realized on this earth, we give thanks to God for his common grace here. We also recognize, as we reflect on the Rittenhouse trial and verdict, that in terms of Christian response, something new is bubbling into existence. There is a new coalition that is forming in Christian circles. I, after all, am not a courthouse reporter. I'm not a talking head on TV. So I'm interested in this trial and what has happened, of course. But I'm also interested in how different Christian institutions and voices are engaging events like this. And I don't know about you, but I am witnessing the emergence of a new coalition. It's not exactly along the lines of traditional coalitions. It's not Reformed or Arminian. It's a blend, really, of folks across the soteriological spectrum. I'm speaking of true born-again believers. This coalition is fundamentally unwoke. It despises the evil fruits of wokeness, of critical race theory, of intersectionality, of, air quotes, social justice. This new coalition is pro-country. It's not pro-country in the sense that people might hear that. It is certainly not what is sometimes called white nationalism. White nationalism is out there. It's a real thing, and it's a scourge. But that's not what hardly any evangelical belongs to a white nationalist movement. So often that phrase, white nationalism, is applied to be tied around the neck of politically conservative evangelicals, and then um, they are pushed off the dock to drown, so to speak, in terms of polite societal opinion. There's white nationalism, and then there's actual 
politically conservative uh, Christianity. So the new coalition is that. It's pro-country. And by that, I don't mean it's pro-country ultimately, as if America is the new heavens and new earth. It most certainly is not. It is not the new Jerusalem. We are not the new Israel. But this coalition does believe in the goodness of civilization. It does believe that God's common grace, as we were just discussing, is real. It wants there to be a civilization rather than anarchy. It recognizes that government, in fact, is not fundamentally evil, though evil men often occupy government office, and only sinners can hold office, including redeemed sinners in this world. But this coalition recognizes that while government is not ultimate, it is a common grace gift of God. And this coalition wants there to be an American public order that is at least as healthy as we can try to make it. These are carefully chosen words because we know, for example, that America as a country has perfected the diabolical practice of abortion. So none of us who is a clear-eyed Christian can celebrate America as if it is effectively a heavenly place. It is no such thing. It has real sin in it, in its past, in its present, and as long as God allows it to exist, it will have sin in its future. Nonetheless, in a very Jeremiah 29 way, there are tons and tons of Christians who want to seek the good of this city, so to speak, while we're here. This coalition is also pro-gathered church. That's, of course, been a dividing line in recent months and years. You may have heard a thing or two about that. And fundamentally, this coalition is very much pro-gathering. It wants the church to gather. It recognizes, furthermore, that leftism, which is poison, is very much trying to stop the gathering of the church by any means it can, including the declaration of health crises. And so there are many Christians, again, across a spectrum of lines, who understand that they, they themselves need the church. Um, at some level, America needs the church. But most importantly, we gather as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, because God wants his people to worship him. God has put forth his son as the one by whom we are named. And so worship is not an optional possibility for Christians. Worship is a divine calling. So this coalition is pro-gathered church, and it's pro-bold Christianity. There's more I could say, but let me just sum up what this coalition seems to be about. I don't mean it's going anywhere formal, per se. I have no idea uh, what this nascent movement will emerge as, if anything. But I can tell you that I see it on social media. I witness it in person among friends. And I believe there is something happening that doesn't conform neatly to existing patterns, but is something new. It's pro-bold Christianity. It's tired, desperately tired of niceified evangelicalism that just desperately seems to want to be liked and approved of by secular elites and really isn't that concerned with leaving any footprint in the sand. Instead, 
niceified evangelicalism tries to simply be tolerated and liked and to appease its secular peers and onlookers. Yes, it says it is Christian, it professes Christianity, but in terms of despised doctrines and hard areas and tough truths, niceified evangelicalism barely ever wants to take a stand. In response, this weird, loose, and somewhat inchoate coalition is pro-bold Christianity. Folks who find themselves in this wing want pastors who will speak the truth. They want seminaries and colleges and universities and parachurch ministries and missions organizations and on it goes counseling groups that will take a stand against the world that will distinguish truth from a lie. Remember that we live in an empire of lies today. There is a tremendous hunger and thirst among the sheep today, true Christians, for bold Christianity. Notice what I have not said. For hateful Christianity, for fundamentally angry Christianity, for Christianity that has no filter. No, these people want pastors and leaders who exemplify the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. They want pastors and teachers of the word. They want godly men, in other words, who will fulfill the words of Ephesians 4, 15, and who will live as those speaking the truth in love. But note what they want. They want shepherds who will speak the truth, who will take a stand, who do not care about opinions. That is what this coalition is about. If I can try to identify its root, it is sick and tired of Christian leaders who seem to serve no purpose in office but to have a nice life and make no waves. This new coalition wants bold Christian leadership, even as the evil of the world seems to have been clicked up a couple notches. The answer is not hateful anger. The answer is grace and truth. The answer is love of God, and out of the overflow of truth-driven love of God, love of neighbor, which never means in the Bible, do whatever your neighbor wants you to do, but always means do what God wants you to do toward whomever you are around, believer or unbeliever. Well, we could say much more about this coalition. I have no idea, as I say, where it will go, what will come of it, perhaps nothing. But I can tell you something is stirring among the people of God. And I can tell you that we are seeing this in Conway, Arkansas at Grace Bible Theological Seminary. We are seeing students pour in. We can barely keep up with their applications. I do not exaggerate. They are coming to us from all over the map. Young men and men more generally, desperate for training in the truth, fearless 
truth, which seems to be in such short order today. Something is happening. As we conclude this podcast, I want to note to you this. Remember that all justice in this world is proximate. It is not perfect. All man's justice, in other words, is not divine justice. Trials like this, in terms of Kyle Rittenhouse and this just, not guilty verdict, which we celebrate and give thanks for, they serve as a warning. Whatever side you're on, whatever take you have on the trial or its different events, every trial, I believe, is a little bit of a figment of a greater trial to come. Every trial you and I witness, every courtroom scene is a preparation for a greater one. And so this is a reminder, this uh, public square event, so to speak, to prepare for the end while there is time. This is a reminder that there is a much greater judge we will all face than any earthly judge in flowing robes. We will all very soon be before the bar of God's justice. We live now in the courtroom of God, by which I mean all our life is seen by God. And our life is either storing up crowns and treasures through the blood of Jesus Christ, such that we will be welcomed by God on the last day and even rewarded beyond imagining, not through our own works, not through any contribution, even 1% of our merit to God's merit in Christ, but all through the finished work of Christ in which God has given us faith. If that's true of us, if we're a born-again believer on the last day, that trial, that courtroom scene will be glorious. We will be welcomed home. And again, it will be beyond imagining. But there is another side of the courtroom too, isn't there? There are those like us who are guilty by nature, but who have not repented and placed their faith in Jesus Christ who have stubbornly clung to their sin, who have hated God all their life. And remember that the hatred of God takes many forms, but is really at base, very simply not obeying God, which all begins in not listening to God, not honoring God, not taking God seriously, not taking God at his word, And those people will receive the full and furious justice of God, the wrath of God, beyond all time, without interruption, without mitigation, without salvation. Now is the time to prepare for the end. There are still hours on the clock. There is still time. There is still time for our loved ones, our friends, family members, peers, co-workers. On it goes. 
to repent. The end has not come. The trumpet, the final trumpet, has not been heard. Christ has not split the sky as of the time of this recording of this podcast. It has not yet happened. Every trial, every courtroom in this fallen world is a little indication of what is coming for us all. We will all very soon, before we can blink, before we can believe it, before we know, be before the justice throne of God. And now is the time to get ready. Now is the time to prepare. And here is how we must prepare. Trust Christ. Trust Christ while there is time. Claim his blood for your sin. Claim his resurrection for your life after the grave. Justice will soon roll down like waters. It will not be social justice, friends. It will be divine retribution for sin. And along with it, righteousness will come like an ever-flowing stream. There are only two sides of this equation. Either you are righteous in Christ, not by your own works or merits, but by faith in the Son, or you are unrighteous because you have rejected the perfect sacrifice offered for sinners like you in Christ. We all crave justice so much in this world. Whether we're a Christian or not, our conscience cries out for, yearns for justice. And that is an indication not simply of the need for righteousness in this world. That is an indication that there is a greater day coming. My prayer is that an event like this, important in its own right for our civilization, for Christians, in many directions, will itself point us to the last day such that we will take this life seriously and by the grace of God, turn to Christ, turn away from sin, turn away from rioting, turn away from injustice, turn away from disobedience and trust the one who was judged guilty for us so that we would not only go free, would not only be not guilty, but would be, through the active righteousness of Christ, innocent. So we are because of Jesus, and so we shall be beyond all time. 